You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. Today I want to talk about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments of resting in the grace of God. Not the Ten Commandments written on stone, but the Ten Commandments of resting in the grace of God. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. You don't want to go wild with this word fear. It's, it is the word phobeo or phobio or phobia, as we would call it. Uh, and it can mean terror. It can mean striking fear. But it can just be amazement. It can be mean awe. And it can mean reverence okay this this word is used it's a broad large use and it's i believe here it's just talking about mostly reverential awe and respect okay verse 2 says for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them but the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it talking about the old testament Verse 3, For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works, and in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief, Verse 7, again, he limiteth a certain day. He, he keeps it down to a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Joshua, the word here, Jesus, in most translations, is really a mis... It's not a mistranslation, it's just it's not clear who it's talking about. It's not really talking about Jesus Christ. It's talking about Joshua. For, because remember, Jesus and Joshua are the same name. For if Joshua of the Old Testament had given them rest when they entered into the Promised Land, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that is entered into his rest is also... Uh, ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. All things are naked, unto uh, before the eyes of him with whom we have to do verse 14 seeing then that we have a great high priest that is in, passed into the heavens jesus the son of god let us hold fast everybody say hold fast hold fast our profession verse 15 for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly the therefore is about all that he just said let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need it's kind of shocking that miss ann picked that verse to read today and without us even talking about it father thank you for the word of god thank you for the power of it that it, that that we can Receive it and believe it and have this audacity to come boldly on the basis of your promises. I thank you for these Ten Commandments, Lord, that you've helped me to isolate here. And I thank you for open hearts that will receive them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, everybody relax. This sermon does have ten points. 
But if I don't get to all of them today, we'll just finish them next week, okay? Thank you for your enthusiasm. I said I, I'll try not, to, try not to teach them all today. <laughs> if we don't get to it, we'll do it next time. The Ten Commandments of Resting in the Grace of God. Let me just read these Ten Commandments to you based on the passage we just read. Thou shalt remember that the New Covenant is about respecting the promises God has made. The New Covenant, the first commandment is to remember that the promises, respect the New Covenant is about respecting those promises that God has made. That's what he's talking about, fear, lest any, a promise being given you, 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 you come short of it. The New Covenant is not about hammering away at sin. The New Covenant is about hammering away at the promises of God. Amen. The second thing is thou shalt believe the gospel is about the promises of God. You shall believe that the gospel is not about repentance of sin. It's about the promises of God, which will bring you out of sin. Glory to God. Thou shalt enter into the rest of God by faith. People want to enter in by other means. Thou shalt not act like God's people which have not entered into the rest. <laughs> Thou shalt not allow legalism which hardens the heart toward grace. Uh, let me get there. Thou shalt labor to enter the rest by faith. Root commandment number seven. Thou shalt receive the revelation of the word concerning the difference between spirit, soul, and body. He said that the word of God is sharp and quick and powerful, dividing asunder even the spirit, soul, and body, or the joints and marrow. Commandment number eight. Thou shalt not engage in the senseless exercise of trying to hide behind the fig leaf. I'm going to explain that. Number nine, thou shalt use your confession, which makes a difference in heaven and earth. And commandment number 10, thou shalt remember that Jesus is on the throne, but he is still on your side. Amen, amen. Praise God. Now let's talk, talk about these one at a time, if I may. Let us therefore fear or have respect, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it. The first commandment is thou shalt remember that the new covenant is about respecting the promises God has made. Respecting the promises that God has made. Well, he's made some pretty astonishing promises if you ask me. You should respect the promises God has made. Because he's made some wonderful and outlandish, if you ask me, promises. Some promises that will shake your world if you'll just let them. Remember, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Not, not, not ask what the Father wills, but ask what you will, and it shall be given unto you. The only problem... The only thing that's keeping that from happening is us truly believing it. The only thing that keeps that from happening is not that God somehow doesn't have a will to do it. He has the will to give you what you will, what you want. Assuming that it's, that it's in, you know, in the general will of the Word of God, of the written Word. He's not going to give you somebody else's wife. 
If your neighbor's wife makes a better cake than your wife, he's not going to give you the, that, that wife so you can have better cakes. You, you wished wrong. You, you willed wrong. You asked wrong. What you asked for is the Lord teach your wife how to make cakes like that lady. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Dylan, you hear that? All right. All right. <laughs> People dream up promises that they're just silly, but, but God has made promises, and it's his will to give you what you want. And all the promises are there to cover all the, the potential desires of your life. He wants you to be blessed. Philippians 4.19, if you can get it up there real quick, girls. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your need according to... That first one I quoted was John 15.7, by the way. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will. Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now that does not mean that if you have a need, the Father's going to look over at Jesus and say, Now, now son... You heard old holler down there. He's got a need. I need you to run down there and help him. That is not how, what this is saying. That's not what this is. Jesus is not a delivery boy. Jesus is king of kings and lord of lords. Are you, are you getting this? So how is he going to do this by Christ Jesus? That can only mean one thing. He's going to pr provide for your need on the basis of what Jesus has already done. Not what Jesus is about to do. I hear a lot of that talk, oh, God is about to. Oh, God is about to. God is about to. Hey, let's talk about what God's already done. Amen. Let's talk about what God has already done, not what God's about to do. I want to know what God's already done where I can tap into it and believe that this is what I have now, that what I have now is what I need forever. Amen. I'm convinced that what I have right now is what I need forever. What I received in the power of the Holy Ghost will take me through to the end. I don't need another Pentecost. All I need is to activate the power of the Holy Ghost that's on the inside of me, and I'll create Pentecost wherever I go. <laughs> Glory be to God. I am the temple. Come on, say it. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Stop acting like you're an empty, empty vessel needing God to fill you up. I'm, I'm, I walk around full. If I got any fuller, I think I'd just explode. I would be dangerous. I'd hurt people. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's why you get attacked. You understand that? That's why you get attacked. So the devil comes to attack you to try to take away the seed of greatness that the Holy Spirit put in you. He comes to fight that. He don't want you to think you're dangerous. He don't want, to, want you to think that you, can, you are more than a conqueror, but you are that you can have the promises that God made to you. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That means what Jesus already did. You have access to the, the wealth of what? The wealth of Washington? <laughs> they don't have much. They did, they're just printing it. God will provide for your need based on what Jesus has already done. You make a demand on that on the basis of what Jesus has already done. Now get this. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by what Jesus did. According to how rich he is is what it's saying. God doesn't provide your need on the basis of what you need. God provides your need on the basis of his ability to pay. 
uh, on the basis of how rich he is. That's what this says. The only disconnect is what we believe about God. Most of the time, we've been told, and I, I even heard preachers do it. Now, you notice here, it does not say that God's going to provide your wants. It only says he's going to provide your needs. That's all you get, just what you need. I said, yeah, but he's going to provide my need, not on the basis of what I need, but on the basis of how rich he is. How does a rich man provide a need? Amen. A rich man provides a real need. I got to thinking about this. My, my grandpa was a wealthy man, my mother's daddy. Worked hard all his life and created something. Had a nice 1,200-acre farm, you know, over there in Love County and lots of cattle and lots of, you know, had oil wells and stuff. You know, he died with some money. I'm going to get part of them oil wells one day. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So uh, he, uh, he, he, went, he passed away a few years ago, went off to glory. And I know he got there. And after he turned the farm over to my uncle, all he'd do is pitter around. He had this little maintainer, a road grader type thing. You know what I'm talking about? And he kept the roads up on the place. He just loved to do that. You know, dirt roads and gravel roads in a farm, they're going to get goofed up if it rains hard. And he, so he'd, he'd go back out there and patch them all up with that road grader. That's just what he loved. That was his, his part-time job, but he didn't get paid for. Loved to do that. And I got to thinking, I wonder if they let my grandpa build roads in glory. Reckon they let him patch the roads. That's what he loved to do. He loved that better than farming. I could just see him up there. What kind of, if, if God could have a need, how would he meet the need? Think about it. Well, let's just, let's just imagine for a little bit that God, one of the celestial streets gets a pothole in it <laughs> from an angelic chariot. It's got a pothole. Huh? So let's say God has a need. I know it's silly to think, but how else are we going to fi figure out how God meets a need? So my grandpa is, is head of the crew, the road crew. I can just imagine. He gets a call. Yes, sir. It's from, the, it's from the big guy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, master. Yes, yes. Oh, I'll take care of that. I, sir, I, the reports of that pothole have not been exaggerated. It's pretty bad, but I'll fix it. I'll fix it. Yes, sir. Click. He picks up the other phone. He says, he calls down to the, to the, to the asphalt mine. He says, hey, boys, bring me a load of asphalt up here. I want to fix this hole in the, in the celestial street. Oh, I'm going to make it pretty. Oh, I never had, could use asphalt on my farm, but, man, asphalt is really top. They send up a truck, and while the truck's coming, he gets another call. Yes, sir? No asphalt? Asphalt won't work, sir? Well, I mean, that's good stuff. Yeah, okay, yes, sir. You're right, sir. Okay, I'll think of something. Hang up the phone. Call down to the concrete plant, cement plant. Hey, boys, I want to cancel that order, and I want you to send cement up here. Because, oh, this is a big job. This, the, the big man's wanting this job fixed. Yeah, yeah, okay. Cement truck's on the way. Gets another call. Yeah, Lord. Really? Concrete won't work? Man, I would have given anything to have concrete roads in Thackerville. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. Calls up. Hey, you, you, you see the scenario. And he calls for silver. Gets another call. No, silver's not going to work. Are you kidding me? My grandpa, one of the ways he got wealthy was by being tight. <laughs> he could pinch that penny. It had his fingerprints on it when he, turned it when he laid it down there in the store. That penny had his fingerprints on it. Are you kidding me? Really, Lord, are you saying I'm supposed to put... 
pure gold in that pothole? That seemed like a waste. Everybody listen to this. You know how God would meet that need. How would God meet that need? By how wealthy he is. Not what will work, not what's just enough, but he's going to meet that need on the basis of how rich he is. Glory be to God. With God, there is no lack. He's going to meet your need, not on the basis of what you need, but on the basis of how rich he is. Come on, you've got to get your faith up there today. Get your faith up there and believe God for more than what you thought in the past. He wants to meet your need according to how wealthy he is. Amen. Verse 2, for unto us was this gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So our commandment number two. Did you get commandment number one? Let me make sure you get it. Thou shalt remember that the new covenant is about respecting the promises God has made. And now commandment number two sounds a lot like it. And the reason I did this is because in the first ten commandments, those first two sound a lot alike. The first one says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Commandment number two, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Sounds like he's just repeating it. I think he might be, but it just wants to make sure he covers all the tracks. He gives us two commandments. So here's, here's a second one that's very similar to the first one. Thou shalt believe the gospel is about the promises of God. You hear the way the gospel's preached in some parts of the world? It's all about sin, turn or burn. All that sin that comes short of the glory of God. Sin, 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 sin. Now come to Jesus. Really, this is the gospel? You, got, you think that's the gospel? That's not what the gospel says. And it's real clear that it's not the gospel. But we buy it as the gospel because we are so, so tired of the way things are going in our country, we want to harp and grab about sin all the time. And our preachers are infected with this disease of sin consciousness. They're infected with this disease of sin consciousness. You read on in the book of Hebrews, it said, those who are once cleansed from sin should have no conscience of sin. But the reason we keep a consciousness of sin in the religious world and in the church, the real church is sin conscious. The reason we keep it is because our preachers keep talking about it all the time. Rather than get on this stuff right here. Rather than get over the real gospel. And here's the real gospel. Christ died for your sins. According to the scriptures. And he was buried. And he rose again. The third. What part of that is about you? The only part of that is about you is that your sins have been redeemed, praise God, that you have been covered by the blood, that the death of Jesus took care of everything. That's the only part about sin that he mentions in there, that sin no longer has control over you. Not that it shouldn't, but that it doesn't. You hear it preached? Well, sin's not supposed to have control over you, brother. Okay. So you're a judgmental creep. That's not what the Bible says. It didn't say it shouldn't. It said it doesn't. It doesn't have control over you. Sin doesn't have control over you. Sin doesn't have control over you because Christ died, having been made an offering of sin for us. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. This is a powerful thought. You heard me say these things before, but I'm going to say them again. I may say them in a couple of weeks, and two weeks after that. I just find fresh ways of saying it. No. Commandment number two, thou shalt believe that the gospel is about the promises of God. I was friends with the guy who started the, the security service at Christ for the Nations years ago. He had been an ex. He was a 
a cop, an ex-cop from the South Chicago area, and he was as bad as the bad guys, and he got saved. And wonderful things began to happen in Tony's life. Tony Satriano was his name, Italian as they come. Actually, he was Italian and Greek. I don't know what you get with that. Probably a fist fight with yourself in the morning. <laughs> well, you Greek-looking thing, you, you know. <laughs> Tony was a tough guy, and they made him head of security at Christ for the Nations. He'd walk around, and one of his jobs in the night as he's walking around the campus was, would be to check the car doors and check the apartment doors. If he found any unlocked, he'd scold them and lock the doors and stuff like that. Now we have a whole force of security people, but there was a time when we just had one guy. We felt like one Southside Chicago boy was enough for Oak Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was bad to the bone. And uh, there was this one guy who was real super spiritual in the way he talked. You know, you know what I mean by super spiritual, not really spiritual, but just thought he was. Talked all the time about stuff that was way outside his league. He said, uh, Tony told me, he said, I find his truck with his tools in the back unlocked every night. Nearly every night where he parked that truck, he said, I'd get the key. He'd leave the keys in the ignition, walk over there at 1 o'clock in the morning, knock on the door. And this guy's name was Jim. Jim would come to the door all bleary-eyed, and he'd say, Jim, I've locked your truck, and there are your keys. You need to lock that truck and take the keys Every time you get out of it. Oh, Tony, don't worry about it. That's the Lord's truck. And he'd take his keys and thank you and go to bed. Next night, same thing. Jim, I'm telling you, you need to start locking that truck and take your keys out. Tony, I've already told you, that's the Lord's truck. And every time he did it, he'd say that same thing. That's the Lord's truck. One night, Tony's making his rounds. About 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, he thinks, I wonder where Jim is. His truck's not in its parking space. So he goes over to the house and sees if Jim's working a night shift or something. Knocks on the door. Jim, all bleary-eyed, comes to the door. Hi, Tony. And he knows what, he's, what Tony's there for. He thinks. Kind of holds his hand out. And Tony said, well, I've just come to tell you, Jim. God came, got his truck. <laughs> well, y'all know God didn't come get that truck. Somebody did, though. I'm not saying you can just be silly. I'm saying you can trust God for the things he's promised you. That doesn't mean that if you, if you get a bad doctor's report that, that, you, that you don't go back to the doctor. There's nothing wrong with going to the doctor. Nothing wrong with taking a pill. Nothing wrong with having a surgery. How many of you have had, some, had doctors help you before? Let me see your hands. Praise God. I've had a doctor help me before, and I appreciate it very much. I appreciate the pill he gave me to take. I appreciate it. I thank the Lord for that. But I don't give all the credit to the doctor. I mean, somebody helped them get all that knowledge. Amen. You understand? But you can walk in faith. You can walk in faith while you're, while you're getting your, your blessing from your doctor. <coughs> so don't, be, don't pre be presumptuous, but you lay claim to the promises of God just the same. Don't ever give all of your health issues over to somebody like a doctor. You give some of your health. I mean, you, you, first, your priority of your health should be to the covenant, to God. Trust him for your, for your well-being and everything. Don't give all of your money issues over to your banker or over to your investment 
person. Are you listening to me? Trust God with your money. Your money says in God we trust. Put Him first in that. What that's really saying is you should, you should give offerings. Amen. I was hoping to get applause from that, but I just got one person to clap. I mean, thou shalt believe the gospel is about the promises of God. Most of the time, though, folks say, yeah, I, I know what it says, preacher, in the Bible. But you know, you can't just lay claim to anything that's in the Bible because you've got to know it's the will of God. I say, listen, if it's in the Bible... It's for me. All the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. If it's in the Bible, this is a promise for you. If you're in Christ Jesus, amen. Oh, but you, you know, they're like, they're like those clouds. I don't know what you call them. If any, are there any pilots in the room? Any pilots in the room? Well, I used to fly. I used to have a little airplane, and, and I had a pilot friend who didn't have a plane. I'm not a pilot, and he didn't have a plane. It's a marriage made in heaven. He loved to fly my little plane, and he would fly me places to go preach. We flew all over. I had a little Cessna 172. That's, well, there's the mosquito, there's the hummingbird, and then there's the Cessna 172. <laughs> it's a little plane, but they really fly well. And, and uh, we, we flew all over everywhere, like I said. And one day, he looked up, and he said, look at there, Pastor John. It's raining. I said, yeah, it kind of looks like it's raining, but it's not really. He said, that's called some kind of cloud. He said, it rains from the cloud, but it never reaches the ground. It all evaporates before it gets to the ground. Isn't that just like religion? <laughs> what good is a cloud that rains but doesn't reach the ground? What, what good is people that talk about the past? Say, well, I remember when it used to rain. I remember when it used to rain out in San Angelo, Texas, where we spent 15 years. They are celebrating, dancing in the streets. They're having terrible floods, and nobody's complaining. I mean, it's washing out their plants. It's taking everything away. R flood waters, wall to wall in the streets, all over out there. And nobody's complaining because it hadn't rained in so long. The lakes were nearly all dry. And they're out there dancing in the streets. Five inches has fallen so far, it looked like another five coming. And they're saying, hallelujah! They had it in the newspaper. Let it rain, let it rain, let it rain. Amen. Had it in the newspaper, pray for rain in the newspaper. Rain is coming. Nobody's griping. See, the blessings of God will touch everybody around you, but it's not a blessing if it just used to happen or if it used to happen up high but never reached us. Oh, I know there's good things going on in heaven. One day in the by and by, we'll get to go to heaven. Now, listen, you're going to get to go to heaven where it's raining. But the Bible teaches that you can have some heaven to go to heaven in. You can believe the promises of God for today. Look at verse 3. For we which have believed do enter into rest. Did you see that? We which have believed do enter into rest. Didn't say might. He said when you believe, you do. As he said, as I sworn in my wrath, I, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, he's not talking about working for it. He's just talking about believing for it. He said the work is already done. We talked about this last week, I think, when we talked about how Naaman... How Naaman got his, got his healing. 
and he knew he was going to sin. He knew he was going to go in there and bow down to that first false god, Rimmon, when he got back to Syria. He knew his master was going to walk into that false god's temple and bow down. And he said to the prophet ahead of time, Oh, please let the Lord forgive me, because when I go back, I'm going to bow down in Rimmon's temple. May the Lord forgive me and pardon me in this. And Elisha said, well, you pagan numbskull, you can't ask for forgiveness in advance. No, he didn't say that, did he? That's what we think, though. He didn't say that to him. What he said was, go in peace. Peace? Go in peace. He didn't call him a pagan numbskull. He said, go in peace, which means that God must have. The only way for God to allow that <coughs> is if he, by faith, seeing this guy's faith, took what was already when Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. God took that as already a reality and applied it to Naaman, this pagan who came to him in faith. He might as well have been talking to you, a bunch of pagans who came in faith. And Jesus forgave us all before we had ever sinned. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. What a great covenant we have. Thou shalt enter into the rest of God by faith. Enter into the rest of God by faith. When Indiana Jones was trying to find that holy grail, he's in that cave, you know, and he, tries, and he stands there, and there's this chasm that just goes into the dark. He pitches a rock down there and never hears it hit bottom. Wow. Wow. Like the jaws of hell. It had no bottom. Stands there and he says, his next clue is, it's a step of faith under the lion's head. There's the lion's head. There's the chasm. And I'm supposed to just step out there into nothing. Wow. So he closed his eyes. Looked just like most of you when you're believing God for something. put that leg out like that, and stepped. And found that what he stepped on was an invisible bridge that had been constructed to look like the chasm itself. And when he got out there, he could see that he was walking on something more solid than what his eyes could focus on, than what his eyes could see. Come on, somebody say amen. This is powerful. If you'll just step out there by faith, that's a great faith lesson right there. If you'll just step out there by faith, I know the circumstances look terrible. They look bad. They look scary. But if you just step out there with the promise of God in your heart and say, I believe God. I don't care if hell or high water comes. I still believe God, and I'm going to step out there. It looks like I'll go so low that I'll never be able to climb out of this hole, but I'm going to step out there by faith just the same. I'm talking to somebody here today that is, is facing a challenge. I know in my heart. 
You're facing a challenge. This is not just a preaching word. This is not just a pastor talking to you. This is a prophetic word for you. Some of you are facing challenges right now that you think, I just cannot do this. I cannot do this. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to go around it. I don't know how to, I can't climb down it. I don't know how to get past this. But this is your word today. Step out there by faith and say, I'm going forward with God. I'm going forward with the promises. Lay hold of a promise. And you step out there in Jesus' name and just watch what God will do. That faith will hold you up when it seems like there's nothing out there else to hold you up. By the way, he made it all the way across and found the Holy Grail. Verse 4, For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest. And we already read that. What it's really saying there is the fourth commandment is, Thou shalt not act like God's people which have not entered into the rest. They did not enter into the rest. They were God's people. Do you know there's God's people all around you who have not entered into the rest? People, God's people, I mean saved people, people that love Jesus who have not entered into the rest. Now they did in some measure. They entered, in, they entered in in some measure. They knew they weren't good enough to get saved on their own. But they entered in by faith. And then they began to teach them that once you get in, you've got to stay in by how you perform. If your performance goes bad, they'll throw you right out. Your performance goes bad. Well, what family does that? I know, what, I know how armies operate, and the, and the people of God are an army. And I know how businesses operate, and the people of God are a kind of business. But we are more than that. I, I've got a friend who owns several businesses, and he's, and he's got a son who just gives him fits. If that had been an employee, a regular employee, he'd have fired that boy years ago. And he has fired him on several occasions, in fact. <laughs> but the boy keeps coming back, and he lets him come back. The boy just comes back, and he lets him come back and puts him to work. And he works real good for a while because he's real smart and knows, knows the job. And then the boy goofs up again and off and running and back. It's just been a constant thing. And nobody would treat an employee like that. Nobody would be as patient with an employee. Trust me. As a pastor, I've seen it all. Miss Ann has seen it all. We had one woman who came to a church, got saved, spirit-filled. Man, it was good. But she was single and wore short dresses, and she's really pretty. And every single guy in the church, when she came in, well, we just lost them. That's all I can say. We just lost them. <laughs> and she wanted to be looked at. She'd walk right down the aisle, you know, and sit down close to the front. And she just wanted, you know, the attention. Now, she was saved and spirit baptized and loved the Lord. But if she didn't show up for a few weeks, we knew something was up. She missed a church service, and she'd miss another one and another She's laying out of church. That meant something had happened. We kind of learned. And if we didn't call her in two or three weeks, she'd call Miss Ann, weeping. Oh, Miss Ann, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I did it again. Oh, God. Oh, God, forgive me. Can I come talk to you? <laughs> she'd come talk to us. First few times, I was in on it, sat with Miss Ann. After about the third or fourth time, this happened, and it happened several times. 
I told Ann, I said, if she calls back, don't tell me. I don't want to know. I don't want to be in the meeting. I'm not handling this anymore. I'm done with her. I don't, she'll need my forgiveness anyway. I'm, I'm sorry. That's just how I felt. That's what I did. I'm just being honest with you. Miss Ann said, well, don't make me not, not minister to her. I'm going to help her. God's going to get break, break through to her. I said, when? <laughs> she needs to be slapped. And she did need to be slapped. His hand said, just be patient. I said, I'm going to let you be patient. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to meet with her anymore. I don't know, three or four more times. It, went, it, it kept going. And by this time, it had, it had moved into several years. Three, four years. I was so tired of her. Mm. Then somebody had mentioned her name. Oh, did she go to your church? I'd go, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the reputation our church has. Oh, grace is supposed to make you free, little girl. You know, that's kind of how I felt. But Miss Ann just stayed with her, just stayed with her, treated her like a daughter, just stayed with her, treated her like part of the family instead of like an employee like I was treating her. Miss Ann just stayed with her, stayed with her, stayed with her. That's why I knew, it's one of the reasons I knew that she had the pastoral call on her life. So if you're in trouble, don't call me. <laughs> call Miss Ann, she'll help you. <laughs> She'll, she'll help you. <laughs> One day she walks in and she says, I got it. I got it with tears, half crying, half laughing. She said, I got it, Miss Ann. It finally clicked. What you've been telling me, it finally clicked. And it came to me. She said, oh, John, she got it. I said, well, we'll see. No, 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 she got it. Something changed. And brother, I'm telling you, sister, it changed. She got it. It clicked. Oh, man, did it click. She's been on fire for Jesus how many decades now? 20 years, maybe 25 years. She's been serving Jesus with all her heart, blowing and going. Call, text us half, all the time. She goes, I had a dream, and I believe the Holy Ghost is saying this. I said, what? Who are you? All that went away. Everything changed. Everything changed. Not because any circumstances happened, but finally the message got through to her. Listen. If you let this message in, don't harden not your hearts, as it says. Thou shalt not act like God's people which have not entered into the rest. I, I guess I had not entered into the rest back in those days. <laughs> I've entered in today, praise God. <laughs> Amen. You have to enter in. In spite of how you've acted, how people have acted around you, you see, holiness cannot be fabricated by how well you perform. Holiness can only be, can only be received by the grace of God. And if you'll put your heart's faith, the faith of your heart's trust in the grace of God, He'll make you, holy, make you holier than you could ever possibly be. Because more than just making you act holy, He'll change every desire on the inside of you so that even your thoughts are holy thoughts. Glory to God. Come on, you don't, have to, you don't have to look around, but I know most of you had not reached that yet. Most of us haven't reached that yet, but you will. You will. If you'll hear this message, you will. You'll get there to where your thoughts are holy thoughts. Is it quiet in here or is it just me? 
It's quiet. <laughs> Get your thoughts, holy thoughts. Come on, tell two people, you're going to reach that point. Tell them, you're going to reach that point. Amen. Thou shalt not act like God's people which have not entered into the rest. Verse 7. Again, he limits a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Thou shalt not, verse 5, number 5, I should say, Thou shalt not allow legalism which hardens the heart toward grace. You shall not allow legalism in you which hardens the heart toward grace. hardening of the heart this is what the prophet was saying I will take from you a stony heart a hardened heart why did he call this hardened heart a stony heart huh huh because it's full of law full of law the, the law was written on stones you've heard Pastor Curtis's teaching on this it's powerful the law was written on stones and it makes your heart stony it makes you judgmental it makes you hypocritical. It makes you hate God. Listen, the Pharisees loved the law, and nobody loved the law like the Pharisees did, but they hated the God that wrote it. When he came walking on the Sea of Galilee, they hated him. He's the one that wrote that law, and they hated him. They loved his law, but they hated him. Their hearts were stony. Your heart gets stony when you get a bunch of rules and regulations and apply them to everybody except yourself. What did the devil do? Said to Jesus in tempting him. If you're the son of God, turn these, huh? Turn these stones to bread. But Jesus is going to say later, I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am the bread of life. The devil's trying to get him to mix them. Well, let's just take the law and let's, let's homogenize it and let's turn that into bread. And the people won't know they're eating rocks. People won't know. Now, in case you don't know, I don't like chicken. I don't like chicken. But I've learned that if you put enough Louisiana hot sauce on it, you don't know it's chicken. <laughs> I just don't like chicken. You can ask me why later, but I, I just don't like it. I don't like to eat it. I don't like to smell it. I don't, want it. I, don't, I don't care. I don't care if you eat it with me while we're sitting at the table as long as i got something else to smell, like real stinky catfish. I can handle that. I just don't like chicken. <laughs> but that's what the religion has done. It's just poured stuff onto the legalism to make it taste like something that worth, worth eating. It caused the whole, the whole body of Christ to have stony hearts. I mean, what was it on the day Jesus rose from the dead? What was it they rolled away? A stone. Hallelujah. They weren't just rolling that stone away. Pastor Curtis has taught us very well. They weren't just rolling that stone away. They were rolling away the stone of the law. Glory to God. I have a, there was a guy who wrote a book about brokenness here a few years ago. And he took a bunch of scriptures and twisted them all around and made it make sense to him that we were all supposed to be broken. Supposed to be broken. 
Well, I read those scriptures, and it didn't say that to me at all. I never saw Paul telling anybody to be broken. I never saw Paul ever teach anybody to let your heart be broken. I never saw that anywhere. I only saw where Jesus was anointed to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus was anointed to reverse brokenness. And this guy taught people to pray. He went around the country teaching people to pray and selling his book on brokenness. He said, you've got to break your heart. Let it break your heart. Break your heart. And people were praying, oh, God, break my heart. I go, what are you, nuts? Have you lost your mind? God's not going around breaking things. God's mending broken hearts. He didn't break hearts. Oh, hey, come over here, I'm going to break your heart, and then I'll fix it for you. What? Is he a schizophrenic God? He can't make up his mind if he need to be broken or mended? Are you listening to me? But it caught on, and it, went, it, just, it just went through the body of Christ, and there was never more unbelief break out in the church than at that time. It was just terrible. I was at a big conference in Houston, Texas, when John Osteen was still living, Miss Ann and I. We went out to dinner afterwards, the restaurant. I think it was the IHOP. Really fancy place there in Houston. We sat there, and this guy came up. He knew we were conference goers, so he knew we were Christians. He said, y'all been to Brother Osteen? Yeah, we, we were there. He said, oh, man, did you hear about so-and-so? I said, well, I know who he is. And he's talking about this brokenness guy. He said, did you hear that he died? I said, no, I didn't die. I didn't know that. He's standing up here beside me. He said, yeah, he died. Brother, he died of a broken heart. They said his heart just broke open. I said, oh, my goodness. Oh, my, are you kidding? He said, yeah. Do you see the prophetic message in it? I said, I see the pathetic message in it. I... He said, no, you missed the point. I said, no, I didn't miss no point. He got what he confessed all the time. He confessed he wanted a broken heart, so he got it. No, no, that's not what it means. I said, that's exactly what it means. You get what you say. He said, well, God bless you, brother, and walked away. Get away from me. You want a broken heart, you can have it, but you don't have to have that. Come on, if your heart's broken today, God's not breaking you. He's here to help you get mended, get fixed, to get well, amen. It's the will of God for you to live in joy and peace and happiness. It is the will of God for you to have everything you need in life, praise God. I read these next three verses, verses 8, 9, and 10, and 11. I'm going to reserve those for next week. But I want you to notice what... Verse 6, or commandment number 6 is, Thou shalt labor to enter the rest of faith. Really, this message is about that right there, about entering the rest, the rest of faith or the rest of the grace of God. You have at your disposal the power within you to live above sin, to live above brokenness, to live above sickness and disease, to live above everything that would set you back in life. All we have to do as believers is connect to those promises by what we'll believe about God's provision. And I want you to know that everything that was wrong between you and the Father 
was corrected 2,000 years ago. Today, what we're doing is pursuing excellence of thought, the spirit of excellence in our own hearts and in our own minds to correct our thinking and to get activated in faith all that the Lord has already provided. You understand? It doesn't matter if you've got a billion dollars in the bank. If you never write a check, that money will never do you any good. If you never go make a withdrawal, that money will never do you any good. What you have in this New Testament is a bank full of money, praise God, a bank full of blessings, and you write the checks on the basis of what you believe. You write the checks on the basis of your faith, and you say, well, but I just don't know if I've got enough faith to get that. Well, maybe you don't today, but you've come here to sit under the Word, and I promise you, your faith has grown some today because you've heard the Word preached to you. Faith doesn't come a hundred ways. It wasn't made for rocket scientists. It was made for the, uh, all of us from Oklahoma, praise God, <laughs> and other places. It was, it was made for us ordinary folk. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. Amen. You increase your faith and grow your faith by sitting under the Word and hearing the promises, the right Word, not just any Word. If you hear the Word of legalism, you hear the Word of Leviticus all the time, then you're not going to grow your faith. But this Word of the Gospel, this Word of the grace of God, this Word of the Gospel of peace, hallelujah, your faith will grow. Amen. So let's bow our heads to pray today. Thank you, Father, for this time. Thank you for the word. And I'm asking in the name of Jesus for every person here to receive a glory moment, a glory moment, a glory moment upon the people of God, a glory moment where they understand what they could not possibly understand in the natural. They understand it in a spiritual revelation, glory to God. Let the Holy Ghost manifest here to teach these hearts, to teach these minds what, what no preacher can do. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, arise from the inside of them and give them revelation like they've never had before. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that the family of God is still the family of God, that Jesus is still on our side even though he sits on the throne of heaven, that Jesus of Nazareth, a man, sits at the right hand of Almighty God, and he is there as the benefit, as a benefactor for those who seated in this room today. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. With your heads bowed just for a moment. <coughs> As I say every Sunday, the greatest invitation this church or any church has to offer you today is the invitation to come to know Christ as your personal Savior. If you've not come to know Jesus personally, this is the best opportunity you've had all week, most likely. God brought you here to say yes to Christ and to His claims that He died for your sins, that He was buried and rose again the third day. You need to know this, that God loves you. That's why He brought you here to hear this message. You can come into the family of God and be a beneficiary of all that we've talked about today. All these blessings are yours in Christ. Does anyone here want to say, hey, yeah, I need you to pray for me. I need to know this Christ. I need to know this God. I'm not saved. I'm not sure that if I died, I'd even go to heaven. But I want to be. I want to know Jesus today. Would you just lift a hand and I want to pray for you. Wherever you are in this room, just lift your hand by faith and say, I need prayer. I need to pray that prayer that brings Christ to bear upon my own heart to receive him into my life and to become a new creature. Is that you? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you.